0: And man, I've titled this message this morning, how did we get here? How did we get here? Anybody been married um, a little over five years? Anybody in here over five years? How about over 10 years? 10 years, okay. You ever get to that place down the road and you kinda, you're past the honeymoon phase of marriage and then you ask yourself the question, how did we get here? <laughs> how did we end up at this place? Because I know some of you today, you, maybe you find yourselves broken. Um, Maybe you find yourself stuck. Maybe even some of you are in marriage. You dream of being single again. You're like, I just I want to be out of this relationship. I want to leave this relationship because it seems like no matter what I've done, no matter how hard we've tried, how hard we've worked, all the arguments, all the reconciliation, all the counseling, everything that we've done, it just seems like it's over. And I'm here today to tell you this, that God cares more about redemption than he does ending something. Because that is always a much more beautiful story than just calling it quits. But I'm also here today to tell you, maybe maybe you're on your second marriage, your third marriage. I'm also here to tell you that, man, God loves you. And God cares about you and and exactly where you're at and he cares about your relationship. I'm not here to cast any shame, any guilt, any of that on you. Maybe you've messed up a few times and you've made some mistakes. It's not my job to do that. Ultimately, that's between you and God. Wherever you're at in the line, wherever you're at in the spectrum, my job this morning is to get you to come to a place where if you've made a commitment, specifically in marriage, to know that it is best to keep that commitment rather than walk away from it. Because I know sometimes we can get stuck in this cycle of, man, I'm with this person and it just seems like the only feasible option is to quit and to leave. And here's what I've learned just through counseling. Many married couples, um, you can fall into this trap and you really believe this lie that if I end this, the grass is greener on the other side. It's, it's, it's going to be better. I'm going to find a new person that's going to complete me. I'm going to find another spouse that's going to understand me. They're going to get me. And here's what I've learned. Over tons and tons and years of counseling, the grass is never greener on the other side. And the only thing that awaits you is probably more hurt, more baggage, more pain in a life that probably you didn't really expect coming your way. So many of you feel like maybe you're in here and you're in a relationship, maybe a friendship, maybe it's not marriage, and you feel like hope kind of left the room a long time ago. You feel like it just walked out on you, and you find yourself today, going, "I'm here." One because I saw this on Facebook, and I'm here because I told my mate we'll go to this, and I'll give it four weeks. And Pastor Zach better deliver something to help us, right? So maybe you find that at your you find yourself at that place today. And I just want to tell you this: wherever you're at, whatever you're struggling with, whatever you're going through. I just believe, and maybe I'm too naive to believe this, but I do believe it. I just believe that Jesus is so much better than what you're going through right now. And I believe that he has a hope and a joy that you've never encountered before. So here's what I want to do real quick. If you are married in here, I want you to make a commitment to be here for the entire month. Because all I'm going to do this, uh, this week is I'm just going to lay a foundation. We're just going to lay a foundation. We're not going to get into a whole bunch of practical things. But the thing is, we can't get into some of the practical things. We can't get into some of the the tips and ways that you can improve and better your marriage until we lay that foundation. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to kind of build a house, but we're going to build the foundation. So regardless of where you're at, regardless of where you find yourself in your marriage today, um, you have hope because at the end of the day, you have Jesus. And at the end of the day, he is your hope. Now, here's a few statistics, and I'll just be honest with you. I'm going to just share the statistics. These are not something that I've made up. I hate these statistics. I'll be honest with you um, from the bat. Here's a statistic. The odds are stacked against, specifically, if you're married. The odds are stacked against you. They say there's a 50-50 chance if you're married that you'll make it. There's a 50-50 chance if you walk into a marriage, you make that commitment, you said I do, forever, tell death do his part. Statistics show us if we look at marriages all across the world that you have a 50-50 shot. Now the truth is, you wouldn't take this, um, this reality into anything else in life, right? So if you were at an airport and somebody told you, hey listen, you're going to get on this plane and you're going to fly to Washington— but you have a 50% chance of making it there. <laughs> Would you get on that plane? No, if your shots are like 50-50, you're going, well, then I'm just gonna drive, right? You're, there's no way that you're gonna get on that plane, but so many of us go into marriages just thinking we're, we're inoculated by romance, we're inoculated by love, we're inoculated by this person, you don't understand, I'm telling you, he is so awesome, he will never let me down, and then you get married and you're like, What? <laughs> What is going on? What happened to this person? And, and we all know this. If, you, if you're married in here, we all know this. We go into the first few months just totally naive. We're in this honeymoon phase. I, this happened to us, to my wife and I. You know, it's just like we, 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 we dated for I think seven or eight years and we go on this honeymoon and it's awesome. Great and then we, we get an apartment together. We move in. We get married. And I'm thinking, man, this is the greatest thing in the world. And then all of a sudden, like, she realized, she's like, do you realize this is, like, the fifth time you've left your underwear on the floor? Do you ever pick it up? I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I just thought it always, like, mag- magically disappeared. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have ever seen that, um, that, that, that video on YouTube. But they have this guy. He's sitting there. And they have this table. And he's telling his wife, he's like, listen, I've been wanting to tell you this for a long time, but I'm telling you this table possesses magic. And she's like, what what are you talking about? And uh, he's like, listen, any cup I leave here, Any trash I leave on this table, when I wake up in the morning, it just disappears. (laughs) And she's like, what are you talking about? Like, I remove all of that stuff every single night. And so you walk into marriage, and immediately you're hit with this reality of, oh my gosh, we can't just rely on each other's love. This is going to take work. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Marriage, at the end of the day, is going to take a lot of work. And here's the truth. A good marriage is not something you find. A good marriage is something you make. It's not something you find. It's not something that you just run into. It's not just two compatible people fall in love with each other, and it just works. If you look at any couple that has a good marriage, you know that behind the scenes, they have put in the arguments, they have put in their time, and they have made it work. And hopefully today I can offer some solutions to help you have a better marriage, but here's the truth. The current state of your marriage, where you find yourself at right now today is a reflection of your current state spiritually. Where you find yourself at in your marriage right now, if you're saying it's not working, the thing that you have to go back to is evaluating your relationship with Jesus. Because everything is gonna derive from that, everything. So that's the first thing that I wanna talk about this morning. Before you can talk about having a good marriage, before I can give you any tips on how to have a better marriage, how is your relationship with Jesus? We have to talk about that first. So I wanna make three points this morning, and the first one is this. The biggest problem is not your spouse, it's you. The biggest problem is not your spouse. It's you. So here's what I want to encourage you to do throughout this sermon series. Don't listen to everything that I say for your spouse. Listen to it for you. Because don't do this. Don't do one of those things. If I say something, then you're like, you hit your spell. Like, you need to, you taking notes. I mean, I'll, I'll take them for you. You know, some of those women, they're like, I'm, oh, we're going to talk about this when we get home. You're writing down everything. Don't hit, listen, I want you to listen to this for you. Okay, because the biggest problem in your marriage, in your relationship, is not your spouse, it's you. It's not your spouse, it's you. And here's where so many people get so tripped up in marriage, is they're so convinced, well, if he would just change, then I would change. No, you won't. Because here's the truth, if he genuinely changed, then you would find something else that you want him to change. So the truth is we've got to get down to the roots of, okay, God, what are the things in me that need to change? What are the things in me that I need to work on? See, there's no such thing as married people issues. Only people issues that get worse in marriage. <laughs> so there's only people issues that just get a whole lot worse in marriage. So, so here's what you find. You, when, you, when you're dating and you're, you're dating your spouse, you're like, man, he, and you know, my wife used to think this of me. Um, But like, he's just so selfless. He's always opening the door for me. He's always paying for my meal. He's always thinking about me. He's always texting. And then you get married and you realize you're like, that person is so selfish. (laughs) All they think about is themselves, right? You realize all of a sudden the issues that this person really has when you get married. And here's the truth. You don't have married people issues. You have people issues that just get exposed and revealed in marriage. If you want to grow your relationship singles, if you want to grow your relationship with Jesus, and you want to put it on the fast track, just get married. <laughs> just get married. Because here's what it'll do. All it does is it exposes your relationship with Jesus. It exposes your weaknesses because here's what happens. You begin to live with a person, and they see you for who you really are not just the person you are when you go on a date, not just the person you are when you send them a sweet text message or a phone call or whatever. It's not that. Could it be that before God changes your spouse, he wants to change you. He wants to do something in you. In Matthew 6:33 there is this verse that Jesus says, he says, "But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you." Seek first Jesus. See, Jesus never said seek first your relationship with your spouse. He said seek first my kingdom. Seek first me. In the Amplified Version, it literally translates as this. You need to learn to aim right. (laughs) Your aim has to be aiming at the right thing. Here's the secret. If you want a better marriage, you have to increase your relationship with Jesus. Because here's the truth. If the foundation of your marriage is based on how romantic he can be, or how you know, well your wife serves you, or, or how well you, know, you compliment each other, and the romance and the chemistry stays alive, that will one day go away. And there's going to be days when you wake up in the morning and you don't feel like loving that person. Especially when they, you know, they get out of bed, and they leave a cereal bowl in the sink, or they do something that upsets you. You don't feel romantic. You don't feel lovey-dovey, and here's the truth, there's going to be times in your marriage where you're just not going to feel like loving that person. The truth is, you're going to wake up in the morning and you're like, God, just crush them. (laughs) (laughs) Like, just as, God, as they read their Bible this morning, just convict them, where they cry all day for what they've done to me, (laughs) you know? See, you weren't created to be completed by the love of a human being. You were created to be completed by the love of Christ. And here's where many relationships go wrong. Friendships, marriages, dating relationships. You begin to look at that person to give you what you lack. So you don't feel happy. Well, I just need, I need, I need a relationship. My, my marriage will make me happy. My husband will make me happy. My wife. And so here's what we do. We become so needy for that person that we end up like suffocating the relationship. Because we're looking for that peace. We're looking for that joy. We're looking for that fulfillment in that other person. And At the end of the day, they can't give you what you really need. Here's the truth. Lonely, insecure, unhappy single people become lonely, insecure, unhappy married people. You don't change just because you get married. And here's what I've learned about dating couples. And I've counseled many of them. And when we sit down and they're like, I'm telling you. He's like, we never argue. I'm like, you're in trouble. (laughs) It's, you're in trouble. In dating, when you're dating and even maybe the first year of marriage, you can fake it. You can be on your best behavior. And so you can make this person believe this is just how you are. This is just how you live your life. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm done with the show. I just need to be me. (laughs) And then the real you comes out, right? See, marriage doesn't solve emptiness. It exposes it. It doesn't solve it. It exposes it. So you have to realize that if you're having issues, if you find yourself at an impasse in your marriage today, you have to go back to the very foundation of Where is my relationship at with Jesus? Because the only real joy, the only real peace, the only real satisfaction that I'm searching for in this spouse is going to be found from Christ. See, here's the problem. We're looking for our spouse to satisfy something in us. Only Jesus can. So at the end of the day, our spouse makes a horrible God. So here's what I mean by this. Whatever you idolize, eventually you'll demonize. So let me explain that. So you look at your spouse, you know, the first year in, the first two years, or maybe for the first while, and you're looking for them to give you what you need. You have emptiness in you, you feel a lack in you, so you're looking to them. So, so let me explain it to you when you, first got, when you first met your husband, you loved that he was so laid back, Right? Man, I just love him. He's never uptight about anything. He's not laid back. And then 10 years later, you're like, he's so lazy. <laughs> he's just so laid back. He doesn't do anything, right? Or when, maybe when you first met your wife, you're like, man, I love it. She had, she's so detailed. She never misses anything. And then 10 years later, you're like, oh, my God, dude, she's a control freak. She's controlling my life, right? Whatever you idolize, eventually you'll demonize. Meaning this, so if you look at your spouse and, man, they complete you, they're everything. One day they'll fail you and you'll you'll step back and you go, well, they're not who they say they are. They didn't, well, they they didn't, they hurt me. They did something that I wasn't expecting and it kind of throws you back a little bit and you're realizing, man, I've idolized this person. And then you turn from loving them and idolizing them to now you hate them, you despise them. And it puts you in a very precarious place. See, you cannot allow a flawed human being to be in the place of God. Because a flawed human, broken human being does not make a good God. At the end of the day, no matter how much I love my wife or my wife loves me, we will fail each other. I can't tell you how many times I've told my wife and we've sat down, okay, I'm going to work on this, I'm never going to do this again, and like three days later, we're back at the same place, Because at the end of the day, we both have to recognize our relationship is not based on the foundation of how well we love each other. Our relationship, the reason that it's lasted for nine years at this point, is because of the fact that it's based on God. It's based on the, okay, I made a commitment. When I said I do, I made not only a commitment to my wife, but I made a commitment to God. That regardless of what goes on, we're not going anywhere, we're not leaving, we're not separating. And listen, that's difficult. I'm not saying it's always been easy. And, and, and here's what I want to say real quick. I've been in your seat before. You, you hear a guy talking about marriage, and I'll, be, I'll just be brutally honest with you. I hate marriage series. <laughs> like, I usually hate listening to them because I, I viewed them wrong. Because I'd sit in the chair, and I'm like, all right, I'm getting ready to get whipped, <laughs> beat. <laughs> I'm going to walk out of here feeling more guilty, right, for all the things that I'm not doing right. And listen, I'm not not up here standing up here saying that my wife and I have a perfect marriage, because we don't. And maybe you look at us and say, oh, they're so perfect with all their kids and everything, and it's just great. Listen, we argue too, okay? There have been times when we've had moments in our marriage where it's just like, I don't don't know what we're going to do. This is like irreconcilable. Like, we don't, what are we going to do? I'll unashamedly say, we've been to counseling for certain issues. or we're like, I don't know what we're going to do, and you can't make a decision, I can't make a decision, She's about to suffocate me in my sleep. Like, we gotta do something. So I'm not up here saying that we have a perfect marriage because we don't. But the reason it's lasted this long is because of the fact that it's based on a perfect God. And His love never fails. And so when we don't feel like we love each other or we're not feeling that emotive love, we go back to who Jesus is. And we look to that fulfillment in Christ and not each other. And we go back to, okay, I'm going to find peace in God, not in Claire. I'm going to find joy in God. And here's the truth. Many marriages fail because we're placing a burden on our spouse that they were never made to carry. See, if you're looking to your spouse to fulfill everything, you're placing such a great weight on them. They feel so weighed down. They're like, I can't be this person like, you're, I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you. Your spouse in your marriage needs room to fail. They need room to fail, and they need room for you to go, it's okay. It's okay. And I think sometimes, this, which, this is what leads me to my next point. Point number two. Unrealistic expectations will ruin relationships. And this goes back to what I said. Your spouse needs room to fail sometimes, because we have these unrealistic expectations for our spouse right we want them to be perfect we want them to satisfy everything we we hold them on such a high pedestal and we don't give them room for error so here's what happens if we don't give them room for failure then here's what happens we create a secret life we're not open about things we lie about things we cover things we hide things because now rather than coming to a place of vulnerability we fear our spouse we go, man, well, if, I, if they find out what I've done or who I am or what I've said or what I've looked at, or what I, then, man, they're just going to eat me alive. See, one of the things that, and Claire and I have worked through this, but one of the things I love about my wife is over the years she's grown immensely in just giving me room to fail. Well, when we started this church, it was a very testing time for our relationship. Not that we were, like, considering, like, leaving each other. It was just a difficult time. And it was probably a number of things that were just stupid on our part. We decided to plant a church, move, and my wife was pregnant. (laughs) It was just, it was crazy. A crazy season in life. But because she doesn't have unrealistic expectations on me, it gives me room to say, hey, I blew it. I blew it, and we can talk about that, we can pray through that, and we can ask God to help us through those things. But expectation, un, unrealistic expectations lead to disappointment. And here's the trail that ends up happening. Disappointment leads to frustration. Frustration leads to bitterness. And bitterness leads to contempt. Now here's what contempt is. You begin to define your spouse by their negative attributes rather than their positive ones. So I'm going to call this the 80-20 rule, okay? And, and this may be different for some marriages. Maybe it's 50-50. Maybe it's 60-60. That doesn't add up, but I was never good at math. <laughs> but here's the truth. 80% of the time, 80% of the time, your marriage is good. Maybe 60%, and some of you are in here, you're like, well, you don't know my marriage. Just, just track with me for a moment. 80% of the time, your marriage is good, until, and 20% of the time, you have trouble. And here's what ends up happening when we have unrealistic expectations of our spells: We're more focused on the 20% than the 80%. We're more focused on all the the, the places that they're missing it and blowing it and failing, that we harp on that 20% that we forget about the 80%. We forget about, man, that they went out of their way to seek you and to rescue and find you and love you and pull you in. We forget about the fact that, man, they're a good mother, they're a good father, they provide for us, they do all these things. And we begin to focus on all the nitty-gritty, little, tiny, minuscule details that we do not like about that person. And that 20% begins to shape our outlook of that person. Begins to shape our outlook of them. And here's the truth, we must, here's what you have to accept if you're married. You have to accept that in marriage, you're going to have trouble. Scripture even tells us that married life will bring trouble. Watch this verse in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. But those who marry will have trouble in this life. In the verse. <laughs> but those who marry will have trouble in this life. So if we have unrealistic expectations of our spouse, we're not even taking a biblical approach to marriage. Your spouse cannot be perfect. They will fail you. They will do things that disappoint you. And you just have to come to that realization that they're not perfect. See, if we expect 100% fulfillment from our spouse, we have unrealistic expectations. So here's what I want you to remember today you aren't a lonely person in need of a soulmate, you're a sinner in need of a savior. And single people, let me talk to you for a moment. You're you're like, man, I've been single for five years. I've tried guy after guy or girl after girl, and it just it doesn't. And I'm just going to be empty until I find that person. The truth is, you don't need someone to complete you. Thank you, Jerry Maguire, if you ever saw that movie. (laughs) You don't need another human being to complete you. See, we're we're a sinner in need of a savior. And here's what happens. Imagine this for a moment. When you take two sinners and you get married, what do you think happens? And I think a lot of times people think, well, I'm a sinner, she's a sinner, we'll just get married and we'll be awesome. (laughs) It doesn't work that way. Two sinners get married underneath one house and you have more sin. (laughs) More things get exposed, more things get revealed. So let let me explain this whole unrealistic expectation even further. How many of you guys have ever been on vacation? Real quick. Anybody? And now, when you go on vacation, if you're anything like me, before you go anywhere, does anybody like obsessively look at the website online? You want to know every detail about that vacation spot, right? Well, whenever we go, I, I like, I obsess about it. I'm looking at different things. Okay, we can go, we can, the hotel has this, so the kids can do this and all that. And when you look at the, the, the vacation spot online, you're like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. All the pictures look just so beautiful, right? You're like, mountains in the background. I could see myself hammock, just read a book in silence and quiet. This is going to be awesome. I'm going to be refreshed. I'm going to be fulfilled. And then you drive up to the vacation spot, and you're like, this is nothing like the picture. <laughs> Absolutely. And like, the mountains weren't mountains. They were hills. The rivers weren't rivers. It was like a bayou, okay? And you're like, what? And all of a sudden, like, your expectations of that vacation went from here all the way down here. And I think that's how many of us go into marriage many times. We look at marriage, oh, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be so great. And he's going to do this for me. And I'm going to do this for him. And she's going to serve me this way. And this is going to happen. And then you get married and you're like, this is nothing like I thought it would be. See, when we have unrealistic expectations, it often leads to bitterness. It often leads to disappointment. And at the end of the day, it leads to contempt where you're focusing on all of the wrong things. See, if you go into marriage thinking you will find ultimate fulfillment, you're going to be disappointed. One author put it this way, the whole point of marriage is not to make you happy, it's to make you holy. The whole point of marriage is not to make you happy, it's to make you more like Jesus. (laughs) And that's so true. Because at the end of the day, if I'm looking for ultimate happiness in my relationship with my my wife, I'm not going to find it. Do we have happy moments and great days? Absolutely. But at the end, she can't get me what my heart is sh- truly searching for. See, romance is never the cause of a good marriage. Romance is always the result of a good marriage, it's never the cause of it. So, so here's what you've got to realize. And let me, women, just let me speak to you for a moment. Your marriage is not going to be like Disney. You ever notice all, and all of the Disney fairy tales and all of the movies? They all end up, and they lived happily ever after. And my question is like, well, what happened after the first year they got married? Because <laughs> it's usually not happily ever. We, we, we realize once we move in together and we begin to share our lives together that there's problems and there's issues and there's things that we run into. See, romance is never the cause of a good marriage. It's just the result of it. Which leads me to the third point. Your emotions don't justify your actions in marriage. And here's what happens. Many people, even single people, when you go into a dating relationship, you base your marriage and your dating relationship based on how you feel. So as soon as those emotions dry up, as soon as you don't feel that emotive love and that heart-thumping beat for that person anymore, you're like, well, we're just not compatible. It just doesn't work. It's over, you know, because we don't feel that way for each other anymore. And I know some of you are thinking today, you're like, well, pastor, my, my, my feelings are very real. And the truth is our feelings are always real, but that doesn't always make them right. They may be always real, you may feel a genuine feeling for this person, or an anger, or a bitterness, or a contempt. But whatever the emotion is, your relationship with Jesus must always override that emotion. We read a scripture in 1 Corinthians 13, 11. it says this, When we were children, we thought and reasoned as children do, but when we grew up, we quit our childish ways. <laughs> now you're like, why are we reading this verse? reading this verse because i think it's funny how marriage has the ability to reduce us back to two-year-olds again doesn't it let, let me let me play this out for a moment okay you're like well, what do you mean a two-year-old i don't act like a two-year-old i'm a grown man i'm a grown woman when you get in an argument all of a sudden you throw a tantrum when when, when you can't solve it you're like well i'll just go quiet for a day <laughs> you get in bed and you're like she better not touch my foot you know like <laughs> You, she walks in the room, you're like, don't make eye contact. You know, like you, <laughs> Marriage has the ability to take us as 30, 40 year old adults and reduce us back down to two year olds. You spend an entire day ignoring each other, going silent. You even go to bed without acknowledging each other. So let me, give you, let me show you how this plays out in Claire and I's relationship. This is how it usually happens for us. So we go, we go out to eat, we have this romantic date, we have all this deep conversation, we talk about dreams, we talk about the future, we're in love, and then we get in the car and I'm opening the door for her and I close the door and I smash her finger. And then all of a sudden we get in this argument of, well, you you, you never look where you close the door and da-da-da, and we go back and forth and then the entire romantic evening that we just had is now spent with an entire car ride driving in silence back home and then you get home and you walk in you slam the door and all of a sudden that romantic evening is totally out of the window what's happened we're allowing our emotions to justify our actions we had that moment in that moment she she angered me or in that moment i did something that probably i wasn't trying to hurt her but it did And all of a sudden it begins to permeate everything else. And this goes back to point one. Our relationship with Jesus must guide our marriage, not our emotions. We have to go back to the foundation. What does Jesus say about me? And here's the truth. I would encourage you, if you don't know what he says about you, then that's why you're here this morning. Maybe you thought you were just coming here to get some tips about marriage. Maybe you came here today because Jesus wants to introduce himself to you this morning. Maybe the first start for some of us is just saying, man, I need to have a relationship with Jesus. Could it be that that is the most, that is the foundational issue with your marriage right now? You don't know Jesus. You don't have an intimate, vibrant relationship with Jesus. See, a lasting marriage is built on a word that the Hebrews would call ahava. And it means this. It's the clinging love The I'm not going anywhere kind of love. Ahava is as strong as death. It covers all the oceans of the earth. All the storms of life cannot overtake it. See, if we're going to be faithful to the end, we have to lean on the covenant that we made to our spouse. It is this Ahava kind of love. It's not an emotive love. It means that regardless of whatever stormy seas that we walk through, our love is not based on how we feel for each other. It's based on Christ. And so let me illustrate this even further. When you gave your marriage vows, you said, until death do us part. Regardless of your emotions, until death do us part, for better or for worse. And listen, even if you find yourself today in the worst category, for better or for worse until death do us part your love has to be based on this ahava kind of love meaning i've seen the ugliest side of you and i'm not going anywhere i don't abandon my wife i don't abandon my husband because at the end of the day jesus does not abandon his bride at the end of the day jesus does not abandon you even when you've ruined it you've screwed it all up and you've made a mess of your life he still says i'm right here with you and this is the power of marriage it is an ahava kind of love. You can look at your spouse and say they've just ruined everything, but at the end of the day, if Jesus has not abandoned you, we don't abandon our spouse. And listen, I'm not advocating if you're in an abusive relationship or anything like that. I'm not saying that you stay in that. Please don't hear my words wrong. But I'm saying if you're in, 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 you know, you have something that you're walking through, or some deep issues that you're going through, or some hurts or some pain there's been infidelity or whatever it is, I promise you at the end of the day, redemption is always better. The greatest stories that I ever hear are married couples saying, man, this happened and it was terrible and it wrecked us for years, but at the end of the day, God came in and gave us redemption. And there was restoration and there was grace and there was a new day that happened and a new rekindling of our love for each other not based on because we got to a place where we just felt more in love with people or more in love with each other because we fell more in love with God and therefore we fell more in love with each other. See, Ahava says, it's not an option for me to go anywhere because Jesus isn't going anywhere. See, I don't know if you realize, but the whole intent of marriage is to be a direct reflection of our relationship with Jesus. That's the whole design of it. So if it's done right, we realize that, man, yes, my spouse is going to anger me. Yes, my spouse is going to do things that hurt me and disappoint me and frustrate me. But I'm not going anywhere. Because how, t- how many times have you prayed this prayer? God, I will never do this again. I will never disappoint this person again. I'll never look at this again. I'll never do this again. And then five days later, you find yourself at the very same spot. God, I know I said I wasn't going to do this again, but I'm here again. And God's never abandoned us. He's never left us. He's always there for us, regardless of where we're at. So, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we don't bail. We don't give up. We mean for better or for worse. And here's the truth: here's what you got to accept. At the end of the day, the person that you've married, or the person that you will one day marry, will be responsible for your greatest joys and your deepest hurts. Because when you love somebody enough, They can excite you, and they can greatly wound you, can't they? But if we go back to the very foundation that the love that we have with each other should be not an emotive love, it's what the scriptures would call an agape love, an ahava love, an everlasting love, that's not based on our love for each other or our emotions for each other, but they're based on Christ and who Jesus is. And here's the truth if you want a marriage that lasts you have to become a servant so Matthew twenty twenty says for even the son of man came not to be served but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many that is a direct depiction of what marriage is one author at least Fitzpatrick put it this way the point of marriage is to learn to wash the feet of another imperfect sinner that's the point of marriage So listen, maybe you're in here today and maybe your husband's not here. Maybe your wife's not here. And you are going, man, I I wish that they could hear this. At the end of the day, the whole point of marriage, regardless of where you're at, is to begin to lay down your life for that person exactly how Jesus laid it down for you. So the two greatest ways that you're going to see a change in your marriage, the first one is this you have a change in your relationship with Jesus. You come to the place where you say, God, I want to know you. I don't want to just know you like many of and I'll just be honest with you. Many of us claim to know Jesus and our knowing of Jesus is based on how much we go to church. I go to church. I pray when I'm in a bad spot. I believe in God. And that is our that encompasses our entire relationship. Jesus wants to get you to a place where he knows you. You know him. You connect on a deeper level, and it affects everything about your life, the way that you treat your spouse, the way that you interact with your boss. If you want to change your marriage, one, it's going to start with your relationship with Jesus, and the second thing that's going to happen is you have to become a servant. So here's what you do. This will be my challenge for you this week. Step back and become a student of your spouse. Just learn. Just learn about them. How do they react when I say these things? Because here's the truth. Some of us are really good, and we know that we're really good at pushing our spouse's buttons. And we take great joy and pride in pushing them. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I get a good laugh out of scaring the pants off of my wife every now and then. <laughs> but it's not good for us. <laughs> at the end of the day, if we want a marriage that is going to last, here's the, only, the foundation that I want to lay today. It's a ahava love. Meaning that at the end of the day, your relationship with Jesus matters. It matters. At the end of the day, that is the most foundational thing that will carry you to the very end. If you want to last, and you don't want to be another statistic, part of that 50-50. If you want to last, if you don't want to take your chances on this relationship, you have to get to a place where you say, God, I surrender my life completely and wholly to you and whatever you want me to do and whatever it takes to get to the place where you want me to be, I'm willing to do it.